The way I did it was to give myself a treat each day. I think each day. Most days, for sure. Whether it was after dinner, a a small soft-serve cone out in the pool deck, or maybe some of their famous coconut cookies. I even had pizza one evening. Hi, and welcome to the Solving Type 2 Diabetes podcast. I'm Tom, and I'll be your host as I share what I'm doing in my daily life to solve my type 2 diabetes. Listen in as I share the food, movement, and tools that I'm using each day. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. For a full transcript or to follow the Solving Type 2 Diabetes podcast on social media, please head over to SolvingType2Diabetes.com for all those links and more. Now, on to the show. I hope you had a great week. As always, I have had a fun and adventurous week. I've been solo cruising on Royal Caribbean's Oasis of the Seas. I left out of Bayonne, New Jersey on Sunday, and it's now Saturday in the evening. I've just finished uh, my last dinner on board. Uh, Not quite my last supper, but it's the last dinner I'll be having on board, and uh, it's been a fun and action-packed week of uh, cruising by myself this time. Uh, sometimes I cruise by myself. Sometimes I'm lucky enough to have my wife go with me. She enjoys cruising, but not quite to the frequency that I do. So sometimes I just go by myself. This week, she's actually having fun with her sisters and siblings uh, up in the Poconos in Pennsylvania. So she's having a great time. I'm having fun. And tomorrow we get to see each other again. So that'll be great. I've established a fairly good uh, daily routine here while on board. I try and keep my days uh, fairly routine. I think I've mentioned before that I travel enough that I can't just go hog wild while I'm traveling because it's, I don't know, almost a third of my time I'm, I'm somewhere. So I try and keep a fairly regular routine, keep my meals organized. Uh, with what I want to eat, things that are helpful to me. And uh, then I go out after dinner and I enjoy the entertainment. During the day, if we're at port, I try and get on land. And if I'm not doing a formal excursion, I'll at least try and get in a good walk, uh, which is something that I was able to do uh, pretty much every day. We had a port day. We had three port days this trip. Uh, The first was to uh, Jetty Park at, at Port Canaveral is where we stopped, but I always head over to Jetty Park anytime we're in Port Canaveral because it's on the beach. It's right where the large ships come in and out uh, of the uh, industrial harbor right there at Port Canaveral. Uh, one time I even saw a SpaceX rocket launch uh, after dark. It was about, I don't know, 8.30 at night, just turning dark, and that was several months ago. The next uh, SpaceX launch that's happening at Port Canaveral will actually be on Monday, uh, the 31st of October. I think I heard maybe that they're pushing it to the 1st of November, so I'm not actually sure. But anyway, it'll either be the day this episode comes out or the following day. Uh, It's getting very routine now, which I think is great. I think it's fabulous that uh, good old Elon and his uh, peers are making space exploration a little more possible. Uh, I'm hoping to be around when we see our first people land on Mars. I think that'll be exciting. If not, hey, my kids will see it, so that's something. 
after Port Canaveral and after my walk out to Jetty Park where I did spend a little time collecting shark's teeth, well, looking for shark's teeth, I didn't actually collect any, uh, but it's fun looking. After that, the next day was at Royal Caribbean's private island, Perfect Day at Coco Key. Uh, I think it's pronounced Coco Key, but they say K. I think they wanted it to rhyme. Anyway, it was a great day there. I like uh, the crispy chicken sandwich and mozzarella sticks. So it's a little splurge for me. I go to the snack shack there. I don't eat it in the large uh, barbecue area. I go to one of the snack shacks and I always get the same thing. They're crispy shack chicken sandwich. And uh, it's really good lettuce, tomato. Um, and then I get mozzarella sticks with the marinara sauce. So yeah, like I said, it's a little bit of a splurge. Certainly has plenty of carbs, but I do look forward to that a lot. And I walked around the whole island, got in two or three miles of a walk around the island, and then went back on board the ship. So that was a fun outing. And then the following port day was in Nassau. Now, there's something that I've done in Nassau before that I had hoped to do again this trip. Uh, actually, there is the Happy Hour CrossFit gym, or box if you call it that, in Nassau. And I walked down there. It's only maybe, I don't know, a 15, 20 minute walk uh, to the Happy Hour CrossFit gym. And I got there and they were closed. I think that's pretty common. It was midday. Of course, when you're on a cruise ship, you arrive and leave on the cruise ship schedule, not the local CrossFit schedule. And I was hoping to do what's called a drop-in. That's popular in CrossFit when you're traveling or exploring your areas. You do what's called a drop-in. You just check out the, the gym. It's usually 20 $25 bucks, uh, to do that. And I was hoping to do that. I had been there before. And, uh, well, this time they were closed. At least it's nice to see they were still in business. They survived the pandemic, and uh, they're still, it looks like, fresh paint everywhere on the outside. So I think they're thriving, uh, which is great. I'd like to see them stay in business uh, for personal reasons. Uh, I think just about every cruise to the Bahamas that I take stops in Nassau. So I hope to see them again. It's time for a new T-shirt, if nothing else. So those are the three port days. And this week on Oasis of the Seas, the evening entertainment has been outstanding. Of course, they have the Broadway show Cats, which I think some people like. I've seen it before. I'm not a big fan, but that's just my personal opinion. But they had some fabulous comedians, great singers. Um, the song and dance uh, people on board are absolutely talented. They have what's called an aqua show. And that's something that I really think, uh, look that up, uh, Oasis Class Aqua Show. This one was called Aqua 80. And in the back part of the ship, in the aft, they have this theater. And it's like stadium th seating theater. And there's a pool in the middle, but it's so much more than a pool. Uh, they have water sprays and fountains. The floor of the pool actually comes up to the surface level and adjusts in between so that they can dance, they can perform acrobatics, they have slack liners, they have all kinds of stuff in this Aqua 80 show that is really, really fabulous. So I've, I thoroughly enjoyed that show. And I've seen a few others on Oasis-class ships with Royal Caribbean before, and this one did not disappoint at all. It was really good. 
Additionally, believe it or not, on this ship, they have an ice skating rink. So there was an ice show. And I really enjoy the ice shows. I sit right down on the first row. I always get there early. I sit right in the middle of the rink, right in the first row. And it is as close as you can get to the ice without getting in their way, I guess. But I really enjoy those ice shows. And how they do that on a moving ship is um, and it's amazing every time. So I thoroughly enjoyed that. So the evening entertainment throughout the week has been really top-notch. So that's pretty much my daily routine. You know, I get up, go down to the Diamond Lounge. I have coffee. I like my espresso coffee, so that's good there. And then I, you know, either read or do something in the mornings. After lunch, I try and get off the ship for a little while. Unless we're sailing, then, you know, you don't want to get off the ship then. And then in the evenings, I have, uh, you know, my selection of some really, really good entertainment. So it's been a good week at cruising. I'm looking forward to getting home. I'll be off the ship probably by 7.30 tomorrow morning. I just have one small bag. I'll take that off myself. And the parking is right outside the ship. So easy peasy, lemon squeezy, I'll be on my way home. All right, let's look at my numbers for the week. Uh, looking at my rings, I did close my rings, my Apple Watch rings. Again, there's three rings. One is for standing hours. I have to stand for at least a few minutes for each of 12 hours. And then my activity or movement ring, I have to burn at least 600 calories through active movement. And then my exercise ring, I have to get at least 30 minutes a day where I'm intentionally uh, exercising with an elevated heart rate. So those are the rings that I strive to close each day. And I have closed those for each day this week. And I'm always happy when I do that. As far as my workouts go, I'm going to be talking about movement this week. And I tried to mix it up. I was conscious of the fact that I'm going to be talking about this. So I did mix it up a little bit this week. I got in some what I called on the watch uh, cross training, which was uh, some work in the gym. I also got time in on the rower. And then, of course, got my outdoor walks in when I was in port. And when I was not in port, I got indoor walks in. And if it was nice and warm outside, I got them on the open deck. But today, since we're headed back north, in fact, right now we are east of Atlantic City, New Jersey, by about 25 miles. And Today, because it's down to about 60 outside and very windy, it's about 29 uh, knots. I'm not exactly sure what 29 knots is compared to miles per hour, but it is very windy. So the cooler temperature and the uh, wind uh, pushed me inside to the gym today on the treadmill. And uh, I set it at a very high incline and I was quickly able to get my workout in on the treadmill. Today, I think I used about an 8% incline. Now, it was what I'm going to call a rolling incline because outside the seas are rolling at about 12 feet. And that on an incline in the gym, facing, it seemed like 90 degrees out from the way the waves were rolling, uh, made for a very interesting workout on the treadmill. I actually had to hold on with one hand. And I, uh, I got through it about 45 minutes, and it was exciting to say the least. So those are the workouts uh, for the week. And then if you look at the seven-day glucometer reading, you know, I do wear that 24-7 glucose monitor. 
And my average daily uh, glucose reading for this week was 116. So across the seven days, it averaged out to 116. And that would equate to an A1C of about 5.4. Now, I'm very happy with an A1C of 5.4. I have said that my long-term goals are to maintain 24-7 uh, blood sugar readings, an average of between 115 and 120. So this week it was 116. Very, very happy about that. And uh, I actually see my doctor, I think it's in about two weeks for a uh, A1C test in her office. And so I'd be, be very interested to see what that reading turns out to be since mine has been in the mid 5.5, uh, you know, 5.6 range uh, for several months now. So it'll be interesting to test out this monitor against her lab work and see how closely they compare. Now, as far as my body fat percentage goes, I have on the chart here uh, 27.2, but that is about a week old. The last time I was on the scale was right before the cruise, so we'll get a check uh, tomorrow. Well, actually, Monday morning will be the next time I'm going to be stepping on the scale. So for next week's episode, we'll have a fresh body fat percentage reading. Looking at my macros, you see that I have been increasing my carbs. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I was doing an experiment because my A1C was actually pretty low. Not bad low, but lower than it had to be. So I'm fiddling with the carbs a little bit, and I have increased them a little bit. But if you look, uh, there's still only 21% of my total intake. So most folks would call that still low. I have been averaging about 90 grams of 90, 95 grams of carbohydrates per day on average this week. And previously, I had been looking at about 60 grams of carbohydrates, but still my A1C, my average daily blood glucose with my movement and generally proper eating has still stayed great for this week. So it looks like getting up towards that 90 carb uh, per day is still working out really well. So, so, my challenge and win for the week. Well, obviously I am on a cruise ship. And one of the things that cruise ships are known for is to have food everywhere all the time. They do have restaurants here on board that among all the restaurants, they are open 24 hours. There is some place to get food 24 hours a day. Now, you can't eat 20, well, you can, but you shouldn't eat, I shouldn't eat food 24 hours a day. So, that's a challenge. It's available. It's literally an elevator ride down and a walk down the corridor, and there's restaurants selling pizzas. They have cakes and they have cookies any time of the day or night. I don't think they even close, period. But what I try and do when I'm on a cruise ship is to limit my eating to mealtime. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I have a good, enjoyable meal. I get foods that I make sure I actually want, not just that fit my numbers. So as we just saw, my carbs have been up a little bit for this week but not up so much and not up in an out-of-control fashion where my blood sugar readings were high this week. My blood sugar readings were spot on, and I'm grateful for that. 
The belt wasn't any tighter by the end of this cruise than it was the beginning, so that's a good sign too. The way I did it was to give myself a treat each day. I think each day, most days for sure. Whether it was after dinner, a, a small soft serve cone out in the pool deck, or maybe some of their famous coconut cookies. Um, I even had pizza one evening. So I do that so I don't feel uh, like I'm going without, um, like I can fit in with what everyone else is doing. But yet I do keep it in check. I keep it under control. My thinking is, and I think my experience has shown this, that for me, if I try to completely deny myself, not have any of that at all, then eventually I wear down and I break. This way, I'm satisfied. I had something relatively sweet and or yummy, I'll say. And uh, it feels like I was splurging, even though I kept it small. So I try and turn that challenge into a small win. I think it's worked this week. Okay, so let's take a look at the news this week. The first article that I saw was interesting to me in, because it talks about something that I do. So the article is entitled, Is Continuous Glucose Monitoring the New Weight Loss Hack? It says that obviously its primary role of a CGM or continuous glucose monitor is in diabetes or pre-diabetes management because, you know, the monitor is tracking your blood sugar levels and blood sugar levels are a key concern for people who are diagnosed with diabetes, for any type of diabetes. Blood sugar control is key. Now, it's also, they find out, a good thing to use if you're trying to have weight loss. Now, they're talking about people who do not have a diagnosis of diabetes, but perhaps are overweight. And many people are turning to wearing this CGM. So the question is, why? What can a CGM do to help you lose weight? Well, it has to do with information. It has to do with improving those things that you measure. Now, glucose and insulin levels can definitely affect your weight. If you have high glucose levels, even if you have not been diagnosed, that's going to create high insulin levels. And then insulin, one of the many wonderful things it does is help you to store your glucose, but also help you to store fat. So it's hard for someone with high glucose and high insulin levels to lose weight. So what people who are trying to lose weight can do is they wear the CGM, you know, like I do, and perhaps you do, and they use it to monitor their blood sugar, obviously. It's the only thing a CGM will tell you. And they then change what they're eating or change how they're eating or when they're eating or how much they're eating to reduce those blood sugar levels, to avoid the high spikes and the wild ranges and to keep things more under control. And they're finding 
that when they do that, by changing their eating habits based on what shows up on the CGM, they're actually able to aid in their weight loss efforts. So for some people, this can be a tool because let's think about it. It's the reason why people with diabetes wear it. They wear, I wear the CGM as a tool to help me learn more about how what I eat is affecting me. Um, just like this week, I had just mentioned about how when I had a small snack, not throughout the day, but once, once a day, a small snack or treat, I found that this week, because of everything else I was doing, it really did not negatively impact my blood glucose readings. I mean, I think my numbers this week are pretty much exactly or within one or two points of exactly where they were last week. So that's helpful information. So anyway, the article just says that people even without diabetes uh, can use this in an attempt to aid in their weight loss efforts. The second article is called Digital and Group-Based Lifestyle Counseling to Prevent Type 2 Diabetes Found to be Effective. Well, this is very good. Again, you improve what it is you measure. So this is a Finnish study. They had 3,000 Finnish adults with an elevated risk for type 2 diabetes. So they were not yet diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, but they were found to be at an increased risk of getting it. That could be because they were overweight or have other things that uh, maybe their pre-diabetic fell into the criteria of being at a higher risk. So what they did was develop an app. And the app has a lifestyle library. And it has over 400 habits that are suitable for inclusion in everyday life. And the more often the people use this app, the more they started to incorporate these healthy uh, habits. And the goal was to have these people improve their or reduce their abdominal obesity and insulin resistance. And they found that after a one-year study, that's exactly what happened to the people and significantly more to the people who had the app than the people who did not have the app. So they were doing behavioral modifications through this app. And the people who used the app lowered their risk of developing type 2 diabetes. So basically getting support, whether it's in a group, whether it's uh, in an app or a combination thereof, they showed that it was helpful in people uh, reducing their uh, risk of type 2 diabetes, which I think is a great thing. Hey, whatever, whatever helps, uh, I think, is, is wonderful. So that's a great article. The final article here, and as usual, all these links will be in the show notes over at solvingtype2diabetes.com. Every episode has the show notes, and every episode also has a full transcript. You can read, if you want, every single word that's spoken on this podcast. So this last article is called How Seven People with Diabetes Manage Their Blood Sugar. And their bottom line is that it often takes an individualized approach. One 
size does not fit all. There are some commonalities that they did find, however, and they go on to describe those commonalities. And they are, they start off with pay close attention to food and medication effects. So be cognizant of what you're eating, how it affects you, how it affects your blood sugar. Uh, for example, you can do that again with a CGM. It all seems to come back to the CGM as being a wonderful tool. And then also look at your medication effects and how they uh, affect your uh, blood sugar. And, you know, make sure you have an open conversation with your doctor about your medications and the effects they're having. Again, the second thing they mention is consider a continuous glucose monitor. They have found that using a CGM versus manual finger pricks or just going about how you're feeling and using that as your guide is not at all accurate. And two, using the finger stick method several times a day. I mean, if you really, really want a good reading, this CGM does it every 15 minutes and I don't feel a thing. And now I used to, for a little while anyway, check my blood sugar manually. And I said, oh, I'm going to do this, you know, after every meal, when I get up, before I go to bed, all that kind of stuff. And, it, and I hated it. Um, maybe you don't mind, but I absolutely hated it. This CGM was glorious when I first started wearing it. And so they say, consider using a CB CGM. The next thing is to establish a routine. That is your food, your sleep, stress management, your work, exercise, medication, Get into a routine. Get a daily regimen that's reliable, yet when you need to, modifiable. So things like getting some of your own personal favorite stress management practices. You know, do, you, do you do yoga? Do you walk in the woods? Do you just rest and focus on your breathing for a few minutes each day? Whatever works for you. Maybe food preparation in advance can help you plan out what you're eating, and also reduce stress around meals and trying to figure out what you're going to eat. They recommend keeping a consistent exercise schedule. And I've heard before, the best time to exercise is when you do it. For me, middle of the afternoon seems to be my favorite time. I don't like doing it in the morning, and that's just me. Some people say, do it early and you won't forget, or do it early and it won't get overcome by events. But for me, and I have the luxury of being able to exercise when I want, I like doing it early afternoon. I don't uh, like rushing into things. I also don't like doing it late in the evening because I find that uh, helps me from getting a good night's sleep and uh, keeps me uh, from going to sleep when I want. So for me, middle of the afternoon is a perfect time. And then finally, they say, work with a care team. So your doctor, your coaches, the people that you rely on. Make sure that you partner with experts and don't feel like you're the only one. Don't feel like you're all alone and you have to come up with all the answers yourself. That's just not the case. Whether they're medical professionals or fitness coaches or nutritionists or dietitians, work with experts that are available. But I do think that there's a lot of resources available that can help answer some of your questions. So those are the three articles that I found this week that I thought were very interesting. So let's move on. Okay, so the main topic for this week is my movement. 
what do I do for movement in solving my type 2 diabetes? Well, if you watch my Instagram stories each day or you look at these workouts that I list here in the podcast, you know that I talk about walking and I record my walks, whether they be outside walks, which are my favorite, often hiking on a rail trail, I love that, or indoor walks when I have to. But walking and a little bit of running, that forms the core of my movement. Now, there are a million studies just praising walking. It's something that almost everyone can do. Some people can only do it for a short distance. Some people can do it for longer distances. But walking has very well-known health benefits. It's great. Now, my running, well, I do a little bit. Maybe I should do a little bit more. I do have uh, races, and I use that word very liberally. I do have events coming up at Walt Disney World next week. It's the Wine and Dine Half Marathon Weekend, and I'll be participating in the 5K, the 10K, and the Half Marathon. 5K and 10K, I do those all the time, so that's not a problem. Now, I'll be honest. I have not trained for this half marathon anywhere close to how I would typically train in years past for a half marathon. It has been, I think, four years since I've participated in a half marathon. Maybe three. I'm thinking maybe 2019 was my last. 2018 for sure. So we're going to see how I do with my pretty lacking training for this upcoming half marathon. The half marathon is in eight days. So the training that has occurred is the training that will occur. And we will see how it goes. But I'm going to get in there. I'm going to participate. And Disney is pretty gentle. If you don't complete the course, they don't kick you out of Walt Disney World. They do make you get on a little bus and they do take you back to the finish line in a bus. But uh, hey, I'm going to participate. I'm going to do my best. In two episodes, you will hear about how I did. So look forward to that. Now, walking and a little bit of running is not my only form of movement. About 2017, my daughter introduced me to CrossFit. She started talking about this thing, CrossFit. And that's what a lot of people who do CrossFit do. They talk about CrossFit. It's not like Fight Club, I guess. You're allowed to talk about it. In fact, I think they encourage you to talk about it. So I had to find out what it was. I went into my local gym. They call it a box. And it was run by uh, this guy. Never met him before. His name was Jason. And he had this gym called CrossFit Merit. So I went in there with my Disney Run t-shirt on and my oak thick-soled Hoka running shoes. And I think inside he was chuckling, but he didn't say anything to me. And I asked him what it was, what it was about. And he talked about this constantly varied functional movement, you know, relatively high intensity. And I got to be honest, it scared the crap out of me, but it also intrigued me a little bit. So he said, hey, look, we have this introductory four-session program. I think they called it an on-ramp. So I agreed to do that. And I went out and, of course, did a little bit of research, walked back in the next day, 
for my first session wearing the proper shoes. I actually like the Nike uh, Metcons. Uh, I like those better than the Reebok Nanos. If you're into CrossFit, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, did this fundamentals class and it completely kicked my butt. I was sore afterwards. But it was doing things that I could do. It was not, you know, climbing up a 30-foot rope. I can't do that. It wasn't sticking hundreds of pounds over my head. I can't do that. It was doing things. It was the same movements, but yet scaled and modified in a way that I could handle. I have learned a tremendous amount from CrossFit. I actually took what's called a level one. It's meant for beginner coaches, but a participant can take it as well. It's a weekend, and I actually did that, and I learned a lot. I've read a lot, and I've participated. I was a member of CrossFit Merit for, well, up until the pandemic. And then like all gyms, Merit had to close. But they did this great thing in that they offered an online program. I put up a daily YouTube. It was wonderful. And I did that. And then we moved. So since we moved to Pennsylvania, I've honestly been struggling to fit in a little bit uh, at a local CrossFit gym. I'm frankly not home enough now that I'm retired uh, to fit in and, and become part of the family. I call CrossFit Gym my family. That's certainly how it felt at CrossFit Merit. Now, I have gotten a punch card pass uh, at CrossFit Hershey, and they have been very pleasant and inviting the few times I've been there. I just need to be at home more and give it a shot. But the neat thing about CrossFit is you can do it anywhere. You can literally do it with no equipment whatsoever. You can do it on a cruise ship. You can do it out of a small home gym. You can do it in a park with a sandbag. Heck, you don't even need the sandbag. It's fabulous. Now, what I want to do is I want to turn to an article online from CrossFit. It was actually written in 2002 by the founder and CEO at the time of CrossFit. His name is Greg Glassman. People call him Coach Glassman. And it was really his ideas that put CrossFit together and coined a lot of the methodology and, and science behind uh, what CrossFit is. So I'm going to turn to that article and we will take a look at what it says. So this journal article is available as a PDF at the CrossFit.com online library. And I will absolutely link to this journal article in the show notes. And I strongly encourage you to read this article and there's others that are great as well. But this article was written back in 2002, so it's 20 years old. And it was, again, written by Coach Glassman. And it's called, What is Fitness? And fitness, as defined by CrossFit, is summed up in 100 words. They have this thing here called world-class fitness in 100 words. And I'm going to go ahead and read these. There's more depth, obviously, in the article, but I'm going to be skimming it over here because we could spend a few hours talking about all the principles that are in this one article. So, world-class fitness in 100 words. It says, 
eat meat and vegetables, nuts and seeds, some fruit, little starch, and no sugar. Keep intake to levels that will support exercise, but not body fat. Practice and train major lifts. Deadlift, clean, squat, presses, clean and jerk, and snatch. Similarly, master the basics of gymnastics. Pull-ups, dips, rope climb, push-ups, sit-ups, presses to handstand, pirouettes, flips, splits, and holds. Bike, run, swim, row, etc. Hard and fast. Five or six days per week, mix these elements in as many combinations and patterns as creativity will allow. Routine is the enemy. Keep workouts short and intense. Regularly learn and play new sports. Okay, so if I did that right, that was 100 words. You can go back and count. So this says a tremendous amount in 100 words. The first part is a prescription on what you should eat. Now, I do make one change in that it says no sugar, and it has been explained in the subsequent years, that means no added sugar. That does not talk about the sugar that occurs in an apple. That does talk about no sugar that's added, for example, in a Snickers bar. And keep intake to levels that will support exercise, but not body fat. Again, that means but not excessive body fat. Every human needs body fat to live. You can't function your brain without body fat, it turns out, but not excessive amounts. And here it talks about presses to handstand, pirouettes, flips, splits. I've never done any of that. The great thing about CrossFit is it is scalable. So while maybe I don't do a press to a handstand yet, I do do the same pressing motion, but say, uh, bent over with my feet still on the ground or, or partially bent on, over, maybe pressing up off a box or doing a push-up, that type of thing. So don't be intimidated by the, you know, major lifts, deadlift, clean, squat, presses. Well, deadlifting, that's the same thing as basically picking a bag of groceries up off the ground. Uh, a clean would be bringing the groceries up to your chest. A squat would be maybe holding that bag of groceries and squatting down to pick up your keys that you dropped on the sidewalk. So you don't have to do what they show in these big bodybuilding uh, displays or stuff like that. It's every person can do CrossFit. It doesn't vary by the type of thing they need to do. It varies by the amount, the weight, the number of repetitions, the duration, that type of thing. That's what we vary, not the, listen to me, I say we. Um, trust me, I'm just a doer. I'm not a teacher. Um, but it's, it's, it's a whole lot packed into those 100 words. So I would greatly encourage you uh, to read the, the article. I'm just really skimming over. The next thing here is this wellness continuum. On the one side, it's sickness, and then it arcs up to wellness, and then it continues to go down the other side to fitness. Just about everything you can measure, whether it's blood pressure, body fat, 
um, triglycerides, flexibility, muscle mass can be found on this spectrum. Uh, blood pressure. If you're over in the sickness side, it's very high or very low. The wellness side, well, that might be your typical 120 over 80. Your fitness side might be 110 over 70 or 100 over 65. You know, who knows? Uh, I'm happy to be in the wellness section of that. But basically, everything that we measure as far as health can be plotted on this continuum. And the goal is to move away from the sickness side, get to the wellness side, and then continue on to the fitness side, which is a super goal. Then they have something, and I think this is um, a key component of CrossFit. They have 10 different physical skills that make up general physical performance. It's not just one modality. In other words, it's not just my walking or running. There has to be uh, strength and flexibility and power as, as in there. I have to add some speed and coordination, agility. So let me go through these real quick. The basics are the cardiovascular respiratory endurance. And that's basically your ability to take in oxygen, process it, burn it in the cells, and get oxygen from the outside of the body down into each of your cells where it can be used. And stamina is then taking that and fuel and producing energy. So stamina is the ability to produce energy and continue to do it. That's stamina. You know, you hear about running out of gas. You hear about marathoners hitting the wall. Well, that's stamina. They need, they don't, they don't get out of breath so much. It's just that they have run out of energy. And so it's the ability to continue the cardiovascular energy production. And uh, that is stamina. The next one is strength. And that's very simply the ability of muscles to apply force. So again, increasing the strength. You have flexibility, maximum range, or proper range of motion at any given joint is flexibility. Power is applying force quickly. So it's not just that you are strong, but that but you can uh, move that weight or or uh, press up into a handstand with power uh, quickly. And then speed, and that's the ability to uh, quickly repeat, like uh, say if you're running, uh, running quicker, or if you are cycling a barbell. So anyway, those are some of the 10 general physical skills. So this article goes on for about eight pages here, but you finally come to the hierarchy of development. And basically it's a pyramid. And at the bottom of that pyramid, the base is nutrition. So the nutrition, eating the right thing in the proper quantities is the base of this pyramid. Then comes the metabolic conditioning. They call that building your engine, getting that stamina, getting your cardiovascular system in shape, being able to do uh, the long, slow distance, being able to uh, get your engine to continue to put out over long periods of time. That's metabolic conditioning. Then on top of that, they add the gymnastics. And then on top of the gymnastics, they have weightlifting and throwing. And I find this sort of funny. 
So often when you go to a CrossFit gym, the first thing people see are the barbells. But before the barbells comes the lunchbox and the conditioning on the rower or running or on the bike, uh, those types of things. And you eventually get to the weightlifting, but it's not the, the first thing. It's not the key thing uh, to your fitness. And then finally, the sport. And really, if you do all the other things, nutrition, metabolic conditioning, gymnastics, weightlifting, and throwing, then the sport is fun. The sport is the thing that you train to be able to do. We are at the part of the episode where we discuss your questions. Now, we don't have any questions this week. I will now start my begging for you, yes, you, to send in a question. I invite you to go to solvingtype2diabetes.com, click on feedback, and send in a question. I'd like to know what you're thinking. Send in a comment. Tell me what you think is good. Tell me what you think needs some improvement. I'd like to hear that as well. For next week, we're going to be talking about my medications. Now, as you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't even play one on TV. I'll be talking about my own experience with my medications, what I've been prescribed, how it affects me, and also talk about some other medications that are in the news nowadays that seem to be incredibly encouraging for people with diabetes and also for people who are looking to lose weight. So I'll be delving into the news a little bit regarding other medications besides the two that I have been prescribed. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Solving Type 2 Diabetes Podcast. I hope you found it valuable. Please follow and leave a five-star review as it helps other people find the podcast. By subscribing, you ensure you won't miss the next episode. You can always get a full transcript of the episode at solvingtype2diabetes.com. There, you will also find the links to leave feedback and links to follow on social media. I'm very interested in hearing from you with comments and suggestions. Thanks very much for listening. Please remember that everything I share is just from my own personal experience and should not be taken as medical or health advice. Please consult your own medical professionals. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only.